listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm sure as many of you may have already heard or you uh, you know it already. Dr. Creflo Dollar has recently released some new teaching on the subject of tithing. And uh, we're going to go over that today in just a moment from the Bible. I'm going to give you my response, show you what the Bible actually says, and, uh, and give you some... I'm also going to give you some, uh, some uh, I would say, other resources to read that'll help you as well. But please take a minute to share it. Um, I'm going to hit... Uh, all of the um, announcements probably at the end of the broadcast. Now, today is Friday, by the way. Happy Friday. And uh, this afternoon at 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Carolyn is going to be uh, back live with you today. Um, today Is today Friday Favorites? Oh, it's Friday Favorites today. So um, we've got some uh, giveaways and uh, I, I, she was calling somebody who won something last week that was calling to say thank you. Ava, Ava won something. Our edible arrangements. So Ava, uh, I think it's Nieves. I, I never know how to pronounce that, but I think it's Nieves, right? Neves? I think it's Nieves. But anyway, Ava, if you're on, let us know. She won edible arrangements last week. And so it's Friday favorites. Carolyn's going to be live at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Jump back on with her. It's going to be awesome. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. Take this, uh, take this quick minute because I know people, I don't want to start uh, right off the bat with people still trying to get on because I want you to hear all of this. Um, <laughs> Jenna said, is that Jenna pronouncing it back there? <laughs> Gerard. Um, but here, let me, let me say this. Uh, I, I want to, I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to play any clips from the broadcast, because I've had other, from his broadcast, from teaching it, um, I said it well first. Ava said I said Nieves well first. So it is the Nieves region of pronunciation. Um, I've had other friends that YouTube, that do YouTube channels, that have played um, other churches' um, videos from their Sunday morning services and stuff when they're giving a response to it. And it's just a mess because then there's, the, uh, if the churches are upset about it, there's copyright claims, your video gets taken down uh, and all of this stuff. However, um, we can post the link um, to this video that I'm referencing uh, in the comments afterwards, or excuse me, in the description afterwards. And Tiff, if you want to, it's in the history. It's the, one of the last videos being watched in the history of YouTube. So if you want to post that link, um, in the, in the chat for everybody to see, you can watch it on your own time. You can, you can view it, discern it for yourself. Uh, but I'm going to go through, I've already watched it and I'm going to go through, uh, some of the scriptural points that he makes and, uh, talk to you about it. And I'm going to, um, uh, show you what the, what the Bible truly says. And then I also want to, uh, show you some things that, uh, will make a lot of sense to you and recommend a couple books to you as well, because I think these are going to help you a lot. So we're going to jump in with that. So the first thing I want to address, obviously, is that Dr. Creflo Dollar, and by the way, this is not me trying to slam him 
uh, or, or his ministry or, or anything like that. We love Dr. Uh, Creflo. I pray, obviously he's, he's blessed. So I don't need to pray God's blessing on him. He's, he's already blessed. He says in the video, uh, their church is completely debt free. Praise God for that. Never had to take any government loans. Praise God for that. Um, you know, they're doing what they're doing around the world and, and they're not, they have no debt. They're completely blessed. Uh, so this is not me trying to slam him or anything like that. It's me addressing the teaching on tithing. Um, the other thing is this, that's the one. Yep. The other thing is this, um, I've seen people on YouTube that are trying to make it out to be like Dr. Creflo dollar is repenting of the prosperity gospel. You know, I've, I've heard people, there's thumbnails. You go through YouTube for yourself. Uh, there is, uh, there are thumbnails of videos. Is Dr. Creflo dollar repenting of the prosperity gospel? Uh, first of all, there's no such thing as the prosperity gospel. There's just the gospel. But secondly, no, he is not repenting of the prosperity gospel. In fact, if you do watch the video, you will hear him talk about his understanding that, um, you know, he believes that New Testament Christians obviously are supposed to be generous givers, that God's a provider, God will prosper you, God will increase you. Uh, he talks about his prosperity, talks, and he's not apologizing for it in any way, shape, or form. He talks about how he had a misunderstanding of prosperity, and when he was blessed with a Rolls Royce, and then some of his spiritual sons uh, got together and they bought him another Rolls Royce and he was so embarrassed that he, I don't know if he, I think he said he gave it away or he sold it or something. And the Lord convicted him and said, I've been trying to bless you for your obedience and you, you're giving my blessing away or you're, you're selling it off because you're embarrassed of it. So this is in no way, he's, he's in no way, quote unquote, repenting of the prosperity gospel. He still believes in prosperity. He still preaches prosperity. He still preaches giving. He still preaches the provision of God. So he's not against those things, but without question, and he does this right at the top of the video, he is repenting of his previous teaching on tithing. In fact, he goes as far to, uh, as saying that you can rip up any of my previous books and throw away any of my previous teaching from the past 30 years on the subject of tithing. You can just get rid of it I was wrong. That's what he was saying. You can get rid of my books. You can get rid of my CDs, my tapes, toss it out. I was wrong. I didn't understand the Bible. That's what he's claiming. I didn't understand the Bible. Then he goes on to claim, well, there's pressure when you're a preacher. You know, when you're a preacher, you can't say stuff that's too different from what other preachers are saying, which, you know, I guess that's true in some circles, but you know, I, I found that to be pretty much bullcrap because one, one of the things that uh, is being spouted in my generation heavily by preachers that even ones that I know is the hyper grace message. Uh, I've never preached the hyper grace message and I don't care if I'm rejected for that. In fact, we're going to deal with it today a little bit. Um, so Tyler Lee said, I got rid of all my cassette tapes because I can't play them. <laughs> We don't have the ability, Dr. Dollar, to even play your cassette tapes on tithing. But so right off the bat, listen, he says, the reason I didn't understand tithing truly 
is because I had not yet been confronted with the gospel of grace. Now that's his, that's his first comment. If you watch the video, that's his first claim in the video. I was teaching tithing, uh, wrongly. I didn't understand tithing. Why? Because I didn't, I had not yet been confronted by the gospel of grace. I had not yet been confronted by the gospel of grace. So right off the bat, um, you can see here that the main thing, according to his own mouth, that has changed his belief on tithing is because he has gotten into the grace message. He's gotten into the grace message. And now that he understands the gospel of grace, now he doesn't believe tithing is for Christians. Now, let me make a point about this. He said, I I had not yet been confronted by the gospel of grace. He then goes on, and I want you to turn there in your Bible, Romans chapter six. He he then goes to read Romans chapter six, Paul's teaching to uh, the Gentile church, the Roman church. And uh, of course there are Jews that make up the majority of the Roman church as well. So it's not like he's just talking to Gentiles, but um, he said, he reads Romans 6, 14, which we'll read in a moment, but he says, I didn't know or understand the gospel of grace. I find it interesting that he claims that he didn't understand the gospel of grace, but Creflo Dollar was not sacrificing bulls and goats. He wasn't living under the law. He, he, he wasn't growing out the corners of his beard. He wasn't wear, wearing clothing that, that, ha, that was only made of one fabric instead of mixed fabrics. All these things found under the law. He, he wasn't doing any of those things. He wasn't keeping the, the Jewish feast days. He wasn't doing that. So don't tell me that I didn't understand the gospel. I didn't understand how we're to live under grace. You weren't living under the law, Dr. Dollar, before you got into the grace message. So don't make it sound like, well, I was, I was living under the law. I was, I was, no, you weren't. You weren't giving sacrifices for sin. You weren't growing out the corners of your beard. You were not keeping the Jewish feast days. You weren't, you weren't living under the law. So don't try to make it sound like you used to be under the law and now you're under grace because you've been confronted by the gospel of grace. That's not the case at all. What has actually happened is that Dr. Dollar has gotten over into the hyper grace message, the hyper grace message. You say, what is the hyper grace message? This is something that has really been, now it's been around since Bible times, Jude deals with it. Jude deals with it, but it's been around for 2000 years, but uh, popularized again by Joseph Prince and others. Um, And there's a teaching now, I know this because I did a lot of study on it, and I'm not just saying that because of hearsay. Uh, when, when Joseph Prince's book, Destined to Reign, came out, I read through it uh, with a discerning eye to see what is it he's really claiming in this gospel of grace. Uh, and Dr. Joseph Prince, I wouldn't even call him doctor. I know people, I don't even know if Dr. Creflo Dollar has a, an earned doctorate, but people are just going by doctor nowadays. But uh, hyper grace is a false and a heretical doctrine. I would encourage every one of you, if you've not purchased this or read it, Dr. Michael Brown released a book entitled hyper grace. And the, uh, the subtitle is exposing the dangers of the modern grace message. If I've, I've been 
recommending this book to people for years now, since it came out, one of the best books I've read uh, in a long time, especially on this subject, you need to get this. Dr. Michael Brown gives a biblical balanced approach to the hyper grace message. And, and he shows how it is not scriptural. It is not biblical. And he cites their writings. He cites their blog posts. He cites their messages. He cites their books in this book, hyper grace. This is what Dr. Creflo dollar has gotten into is the hyper grace. Don't call It's not the gospel of grace. You were not under the law, Dr. Dollar. You've gotten into the hyper grace message. And now what's happening? The thing that's taking place is it's affecting your dedication to the kingdom of God. That that's, and by the way, that is what happens to everyone who gets into the hyper grace message. If I could give you a stat, you'd be blown away. I travel full-time as an evangelist. You would be blown away by how many pastors have told me that once my people got a hold of the hyper grace message, it completely destroyed their Christian dedication. It didn't bring them closer to Christ. It brought them further from Christ. You know what the results have been? And this is how I know that the hyper grace message is what Paul refers to as a doctrine of devils. I believe it's a demonic doctrine that is once again being recycled and re-spewed in these last days. It's a doctrine of devils. The reason I believe that, look at the fruit that it produces in the lives of Christians. They try to act like, well, it makes me free. No, it doesn't make you free. It makes you uh, somebody who is uh, close to falling away from the faith. And when I look at the way it, it produces fruit in the lives of Christians, here's the fruit it produces. And this is what all, not some, every pastor, every pastor that I've encountered that people in their church have gotten a hold of this hyper grace message. Every one of them has told me this. It's caused them to stop giving. It's caused them to stop coming to church. It's caused them to stop any faithful dedication, anything that they were doing in the past, they stopped doing. What's their response? Well, I'm under grace. I don't need to do those things. Some of them have even stopped repenting of sin. Some of them are now teaching as doctor. Listen, Joseph Prince teaches this, that Christians are not required to repent if they commit a sin. He teaches that first John one, nine is not written to Christians, that it's written to Gnostics that were creeping into the church. And so John addresses them first and then he starts talking to Christians in chapter two. Forget the fact that chapters and verses did not exist when the letters were written, that they didn't come around until about the uh, 12th century for chapters and the 15th century for verses. Forget all that. But according to Joseph Prince, uh, Christians are not required to repent if they commit a sin. I will tell you, it's my opinion that this is the direction that Dr. Creflo Dollar is going to go as he stays on the track or the course of this hyper grace message. And I, I'm sad about it because it's demonic. It's destroying the lives of Christians. It's destroying the lives of Christians. It's destroying their dedication to Christ. It's destroying their Christian responsibility. 
I saw somebody post on uh, Instagram the other day and said, I'm a little bit encouraged to see Dr. Dollar talking like that. No, you shouldn't be encouraged because even if you're not a Pentecostal, even if you're not charismatic, even if you're a reformed Calvinist, let me just say something. If you're watching this live or maybe on the replay, or maybe you're listening to this on the podcast because someone shared it with you and you're, you're listening to me as a reformed Calvinist. I don't care if you're Presbyterian, Baptist, whatever. Hear me. If you follow this hyper grace message, you can kiss the fifth point of Calvinism. Goodbye. You can keep the perseverance or preservation of the saints. You can kiss it goodbye because it will not uh, come to pass. And I don't care if people are talking about the decree of God or not. It will not be something that'll come to pass if people get into the hyper grace message because they will no longer see the importance of producing righteous fruit in their lives if they believe that their actions no longer matter. And that's what the hyper grace message teaches that your past, present and future sins are already forgiven and that repentance means nothing, that repentance is not important. And Joseph Prince teaches that no, no, no. He does. He also doesn't believe that you could ever lose your covenant of salvation, which is also heretical. You can absolutely walk away from your covenant of salvation. Uh, we see it in the scripture. In fact, it's a, it's a Bible prophecy, right? For the last days, the Bible says that in the last days, the hearts of many will grow cold. Many will fall away from the faith. There are apostates. Well, you can't fall away from a faith you've never been a part of. And, and it's not a false conversion as reformed Calvinists believe. It's not that you had a false conversion and you were never truly saved in the first place. No, you can't fall away from a faith that you were never a part of in the first place. And the apostates from the church, that's Bible prophecy. That's going to come to pass and is coming to pass. Not to mention we have examples in scripture. Why would we have to confirm our calling? Uh, if, why would we have to do the things that Peter uh, encouraged the church to do? It, it's foolishness. If, if the sins of Christians don't matter, then the apostles wasted a whole lot of parchment writing back to the churches, encouraging them to live free from sin. Absolutely, it matters. So it's foolishness. And so I would heavily recommend uh, this whole thing's based on the gospel of grace. Get this book, Hyper Grace by Dr. Michael Brown. Read it cover to cover, highlight and make notes. Take note of the scripture, take note of the context. It will help you immensely. It'll help you immensely. All right, so Dr. Dollar, after making the statement, I didn't understand, I was, I'd never been confronted with the gospel of grace. I didn't understand it. I was, after he says that, he then takes us to Romans chapter six. And what does he say? He says, well, let's read verse 14, Romans 6, 14 for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. And he says, that's not just a cute little verse. That's actually, and he goes on to say that this scripture proves that if you are tithing, then you then sin has dominion over you. Now that's a statement he actually made in the teaching that if you are still tithing or believe in tithing, that you're required to tithe, then sin has dominion over you because you are, uh, 
staying under the law. No, his people were shouting. His people were clapping, Kim, shouting and clapping. And he makes the statement in the video that if you are still uh, under tithing or believe that you have to be under tithing, sin has dominion over you because you're staying under the law and not under grace. And he says, under grace, let alone, by the way, uh, we understand that Paul's not uh, talking about tithing in Romans chapter six, by the way, Paul's not talking about uh, tithing anywhere in Romans chapter six. So um, he says, if you believe that you're supposed to remain under tithing, then sin has dominion over you because you're still under the law and not under grace. Okay. So uh, let me ask you a question. He said, we're not under, we're not under uh, law anymore. And so we're under the new covenant. We're at freedom. We got freedom in the new Testament. We got freedom through grace. All right. So do you believe that everything that was commanded under the law of Moses was literally just wiped away when Jesus came and died and rose again? So you're telling me that anything that we received under the law is now optional? Is that, is that the, because you said, well, you're not under the law. Don't be under the law. Well, let me tell you what else was under the law. The 10 commandments, the 10 commandments. So is murder now okay? Because we're on, we got the freedom of grace now. Your actions don't matter. You're not required to be held under the law. You said, well, no, that's because Jesus told us to love everybody. Well, let me tell you who he told us to love first. God. Love the, the first. What's the first commandment in the New Testament? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. It's not love your neighbor. That's not the first commandment. First commandment is love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. So understand the things that we do in obedience to the word show and prove our love for God. Jesus taught this, by the way, if you go to the gospel of John and I I harp on this verse because I want people to get it in their spirit. John chapter 14 and verse 21, Rachel, I'm going to get to all those questions. Don't worry. She said tithing existed before the law. Correct. Don't worry. I'm going to get to all that in a moment. John 14, 21. Uh, the Bible says, Jesus is speaking here. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So look what Jesus is saying. The only people that truly love me and my father are the ones who have my commandments and keep them. Obedience is the proof that you love God. And so the first commandment in the new Testament is love the Lord, your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Jesus said, the way you do that is through your obedience to his word. So anybody that doesn't obey the word that claims they love God is a liar. So you can't just say, well, Jesus fulfilled the law. And so I'm no longer uh, to be held to the 10 commandments because the 10 commandments are old covenant. That's not new Testament. That's old covenant. So no, you, you shouldn't murder because Jesus said, love your neighbor. Well, yes, but that doesn't mean that all the things of the old covenant have passed away. Let me tell you another thing that that's, uh, that was established under the law of Moses, free will offerings giving to God with a free will offering. Let me give you another thing. Almsgiving, giving to the poor. Should we stop giving to the poor? 
because Jesus died and we're not held under the law anymore. That was established. Should we not give free will offerings anymore? So what we just call offerings now. No, but it was established under the law. They gave free will offerings. They gave alms. They gave uh, tithes. They gave atonement offerings. They gave first fruit offerings. So Jesus wiped away the need for the atonement offering. He was the ultimate atonement offering. The reason that we don't sacrifice bulls and goats anymore is not because, uh, you know, well, no, Jesus was the lamb, the eternal lamb that was slain. In fact, he's an ever present sacrifice. The Bible says we don't have to continually sacrifice animals anymore for the covering of our sins because Jesus was the eternal lamb of God. And he was sacrificed not to cover our sin, but to remove it from us as far as the East is from the West, to remove it, to cast it into a sea of forgetfulness, to be remembered no more. So Jesus blood, his sacrifice is an ever present sacrifice in the presence of God. Jesus was the eternal atonement offering. That's the reason we don't do that anymore because that part of the covenant, Jesus did fulfill. Now, can you argue that Jesus became the ultimate free will offering on the cross? Somebody answered that in the comments. Did Jesus become the ultimate free will offering? So that is now fulfilled. We no longer need to give offerings to God or do we still give offerings? Well, of course we do. Of course we do. Jesus did not become the ultimate free will offering on the cross. Did Jesus become the ultimate alms for the poor on the cross? Did he fulfill that? And so now uh, he's the ultimate alms for the poor. So we no longer give alms to the poor. No, we still bless the poor. Absolutely we do. So it goes to, you continue on with the thought. Did Jesus become the ultimate tithe on the cross? No, he did not. Jesus was not the ultimate tithe, which canceled out tithing for all Christians in the New Testament. Absolutely not. So just because he fulfilled the atonement offering does not mean he fulfilled the free will offering, the alms to the poor or the tithe for Christians. It's not who Jesus was. And there are certain things that have carried on into the New Testament, even though Christ died and was raised from the dead. Absolutely there are. I find it interesting because, you know, anytime you talk about tithing, people are like, well, brother, that was an agricultural uh, culture back then. And, and you, you have to understand that it was, it was their crops, brother. It was their crops. Do you have crops? No, you don't have crops. So you're not to tithe. All right, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 14, Deuteronomy chapter 14. And let me, let me read to you the 25th verse of Deuteronomy chapter 14. Listen to this. In fact, I'm going to read verses 24 and 25. Deuteronomy 14 verses 24 and 25. Are you ready? And if the way is too long for you, that's on the way to what? To when you're paying your tithes and bringing it to the storehouse. And if the way is too long for you so that you're not able to carry the tithe, When the Lord, your God blesses you because the place is too far from you, which the Lord, your God chooses to set his name there. Verse 25, then you shall turn it into money and bind up the money in your hand and go to the place that the Lord, your God chooses 
right? And so, was God okay with them selling their harvest and turning it into finance? Of course he was. Of course he was. We don't reap harvests of of a field if we're not a farmer. So, you get a paycheck. God's okay with you taking your work or whatever you do as a, as your livelihood and you having the money from that and bringing it to the house of God. God's fine with that. So he said, well, you know, Jesus fulfilled tithing. He teaches this in the video. Jesus fulfilled tithing. Jesus fulfilled tithing. Uh, go with me to Matthew five. Cause he's, he's points this scripture out. Jesus fulfilled tithing brother. Jesus fulfilled it totally. He reads this verse of scripture, Matthew 5, 17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Okay. Fulfill them. So Jesus, uh, fulfilled the law. Yes. So there's no more requirements now. Is that what Dr. Dollar's preaching? There are no more requirements. There's no more demands on the believer after that. There's nothing all that's needed from the believer because Jesus fulfilled the law. So now because the law has been eradicated or fulfilled, that we now have the ability to just have our uh, Christian liberties, our Christian freedom, just do whatever we want. Because it's not, here's what I've heard people in the hyper grace camp say, it's not about us, brother, it's about him. It's not about what you do, brother, it's about what he did. Okay, so if, if that's what you're going to argue, then you have to say that your actions no longer matter. Your actions no longer matter. Do whatever you want. That's right. Austin says, uh, Lingerfeld, no obedience, no commitment, no discipleship, no need to do anything. That's what they preach. That's what they teach. And anytime you start teaching in the, from the scripture on uh, responsibility in the kingdom of God, you know what you hear these guys say right off the bat? Sounds like works to me, brother. Sounds like works to me. No, we're not saved by works. The Bible teaches that. You're not saved by works, lest any man should boast. If there's something you did in the natural that purchased your salvation, you could brag about your salvation. We're not saved by works, lest any man should boast. We're saved by grace through faith. But once we get saved, God expects some works. God expects some works. Hallelujah. God expects some works. The one commenting on YouTube, uh, Unless there's a legit Levitical priest and Levites keeping the feast, uh, there's no longer a, a need to give tithes. Okay, so Hebrews was not written to Jews that were considering becoming Christians. It was written to Christians. And in, in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews mentions in the seventh chapter that people were still giving and receiving tithes in uh, the time that the book of Hebrews was written and they were a part of the body of Christ. So explain were they giving it to the Levitical priest? The, the writer of Hebrews says Jesus Christ receives them in heaven. Jesus Christ receives our tithe in heaven. The writer of Hebrews tells us that very clearly in the seventh chapter. These were not Jews considering becoming Christians and still under the law. These were Christians that he was writing to. And so there's an issue there with this uh, thought, thought process that in the New Testament, it's not, no, no Christians weren't required to tithe. It's not for Christians. It's for the Old Testament people of God. Okay, then why were they continuing doing it all the way through to the time of Hebrews? I'm going to give you something else that's going to help you at the end too that'll show you something about tithing in the New Testament. So, of course, we go, people go to Matthew 23. 
Um, and, uh, and talk about Jesus. Well, you know, he wasn't talking, he wasn't teaching on tithing. He was just, he was just rebuking them for leaving the, the weightier matters of the law undone. True. That is true. But he still affirmed their tithing and they weren't farmers. They were Pharisees. They were, they were rabbinical teachers. So he actually talks about what they had, even the smallest amount of their dill and cumin from their backyards, not harvest. They didn't have farms, even the smallest amount they had. So what, one of the things that I saw from Dr. Dollar on the, on that video, tons of arguments from silence. You don't build your theology on arguments from silence. You say, what is argue, what is an argument from silence? That means, well, the new Testament doesn't say it, or Paul never mentioned it. So it must, must not be for Christians. Let me show you. Let me show you how uh, dangerous it is to build a doctrine from silence. Okay. Uh, you could say, well, Paul never mentioned it to any of the churches he wrote letters to, so it must not be for Christians uh, today. All right, let's talk about something else that Paul never talked about. So it must not be something he believed or something that he, he lived or taught. Paul never wrote to any churches on the subject of fasting. Never, never mentioned it one time in his epistles. Doesn't talk about fasting. So do, are we supposed to believe, and I put this in my book, a complete guide to biblical fasting. So if Paul never wrote one time to the churches on the subject of fasting, are we then to believe that Paul didn't believe in fasting and it's not for Christians today? Or can we look at Paul's own life in the book of Acts and see through narrative that Paul was a man of fasting and prayer? So we know that he did it, never wrote about it to any of the churches. So are we supposed to believe he didn't believe in it? No, we have a picture that he did it. I'll give you another one, building an argument from silence. Um, well, you know, if Paul didn't teach it to the church, it must not be for Christians today to believe or to live. Okay. How about this one? You want to build an argument from silence? What about the virgin birth of Jesus Christ? Paul never taught didactically on the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. So are we to believe that Paul did not believe that Jesus was born of a virgin? He never taught it to the churches. Many of them never even had apostolic uh, teaching in their churches. They never had an apostle visit their church. Romans was one of those churches, the church in Rome. They never had any apostle visit their church. And that's why he said, I long to be with you so that I can impart some spiritual gift to you. Didn't get there till the end of his ministry. But when he wrote the book of Romans, when he wrote all of his epistles, Jesus did not teach, or excuse me, Paul did not teach on the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. So are we to believe then? that Paul either didn't know about the virgin birth or didn't believe in the virgin birth. No, that is literally the catalyst of the gospel message. If you remove the virgin birth from the gospel message, then guess what? You don't have a gospel message. There is no remission of sin. There is no forgiveness. There is no new creatures in Christ Jesus, because unless Jesus was born of a virgin, he was born in sin. So we're going to start sit around and say, well, Paul never taught on the virgin birth in the new Testament. So he must not have, he must not have believed it. It's not for today. It's not something we believe. No, that's an argument from silence and a very foolish one, a very foolish one. So Paul never taught on fasting. Paul never taught on the virgin birth. Paul never mentioned tithing. Does that mean, does that mean that we don't believe in it? No, it doesn't mean that at all. You don't make arguments from silence when you're building doctrine from scripture, from scripture. 
I tell you, I love Alan. He's, he's a friend of mine. And I text him, appreciate him, and I love him. It's funny, he'll go to 2 Corinthians 9, like Paul goes to, as Paul's teaching in 2 Corinthians 9, Dr. Dollar goes to 2 Corinthians 9 and says, look at this. Look what he said in 1 Corinthians 16. Look what he said in 2 Corinthians 9. Did he ever mention tithing to them? No. He said, give out, you have, you, each man must decide in his heart what he's going to give. Yes, but look at the context. Look at the, is Paul receiving tithes? No, he's receiving a free will offering for poor Christians that he's going to take the offering to. Paul's not teaching on tithing and he's not receiving tithes. There are poor Christians that Paul wants to bless. So he says to the Christians in Corinth, I want you to give a free will offering. I want you to give a free will offering. I'm not Gibson. And I'll tell you why, if you'll stick around, because I'm, I'm going to break it down. He said, aren't you making, arguing from silence too? I'm not arguing from silence because the Bible only has to tell us to do something one time, only once. And then unless it's repealed, then we continue doing it. God's word is not just the words in red. God's word is not just the apostolic letters. All of the Bible is breathed out by God. Second Corinthians, second uh, Timothy three, 16 and 17. The Bible says all scripture is breathed out by God. All of it. Genesis to revelation is God's word. It is theonustos. It is breathed out by God. So we don't, I hear these dumb modern day preachers. We just focus on the words in red brother. Cause that's what Jesus said. That's stupidity because the Bible says Jesus is the word made flesh. He existed from the beginning. He came, he is God sent him to the earth as his word. But notice this, the word had no beginning and it had no end. It's eternal. And all of the word came out of the mouth of God. It, it, Peter tells us in second Peter chapter one, none of the prophecies of scripture came from somebody's own human understanding. And none of them came because someone decided to write them down. And so, uh, I know there's people that probably follow Dr. Dollar, like Chris that said, tithing's not for Christians. You're twisting the gospel. You're not twisting the gospel. You're not twisting the gospel. All of the Bible is relevant. And I'm going to tell you something, unless there's a, some sort of a repeal, and I'll read you that in a moment, then Christians should continue to tithe. No question about it. And I don't even, I don't even have a church. I'm not even a pastor. So it's not like I have some, uh, ulterior motives. Like I need my people to keep on tithing. I don't have anybody tithing to me. I don't have anybody tithing to my ministry. Nobody's tithing in my life. It's not going to affect me one way or the other. If you do tithe or if you don't tithe. So this is not me with an agenda. I don't have an agenda because I don't have a church. And so I don't have congregants that are tithing or not tithing. Not to mention, even in churches where they do teach tithing on a week to week basis, less than 10% of the members actually tithe anyway. So it, it's not like I have some agenda, like I, I got to teach this or my people are going to stop tithing. I don't have people that are tithing. I'm teaching it to you from the word of God because I love you. Um, let me go on further. The, he, he points out in Acts chapter 15, the Jerusalem council. If you're a part of the Bible study made simple, we are actually diving deep into the Jerusalem council right now because we're going through a deep dive of the book of Galatians in our Bible study made simple course. Um, but, uh, he makes the point, well, if you look at the Jerusalem council in Acts chapter 15, they were deciding on whether or not, uh, new Christians should be under the law. And so, uh, they only had three things that they said 
that people needed to do. And so he goes on and talks about these three things they mentioned. Don't eat blood, don't drink blood, don't eat animals filled with blood, and don't uh, uh, eat food offered to idols. Goes through those three things. Okay, so are we supposed to believe then? Let me ask this question of anybody that follows Dr. Dollar and heard that argument about the Jerusalem council from Acts chapter 15. Are we supposed to believe then that the Jerusalem apostles were telling new Gentile believers that if you get saved, everything's okay now, except for these three things. We just don't want you to drink blood, eat animals filled with blood or uh, food offered unto idols. We're supposed to believe those were the only three prerequisites for Gentile Christians that were coming into the, into the, (laughs) coming into the, into the body of Christ. It's crazy. It's crazy. And so no, the Jerusalem council was not telling Gentile believers, listen, your only three, only three requirements are don't do those things, but you know, everything else is cool. Murder's fine. You know, theft is fine. (laughs) lying on your neighbor's fine, coveting's fine. That's not what they were teaching at all. This was a heavy, and and it's so heavy that Paul used a curse that was the, the Greek word anathema so strong. He said, if I preach another gospel, if an angel preaches another gospel, call them cursed. Let me be cursed. Let the angel be cursed. Anathema. It's the heaviest curse that could be. It means, uh, it means cursed and without hope of being redeemed. The whole issue was circumcision. It was circumcision. It had nothing to do with tithing. It was circumcision. There were Pharisees that were teaching, Judaizers, that were teaching Gentile Christians must be circumcised in order to be saved. That was the, that was the whole controversy. It had nothing to do with tithing. The whole, they were forcing people to go back and be circumcised even though they were in, under Christ. Paul dealt with it in Galatians. The Jerusalem apostles dealt with it in Acts 15. Had nothing to do with tithing whatsoever. It had to do with circumcision. Context is important. As much as he mentioned context uh, in, in his Sunday morning service, he sure used a lot of stuff out of context. He sure used a lot of stuff out of context. He said, what about the widow's mite? The widow couldn't tithe. She had two mites, two copper coins. And she went down there and gave, she couldn't tithe on that. No, she gave everything she had. It's different. She gave all that she had, the Bible says. That's not a story about tithing either, nor is that a teaching on tithing. And and, and that's a foolish argument to make. Okay, so Dr. Dollar makes a, a, a comment, and I agree with this. We should give out of our love. We should give out of our love. Absolutely. We should give out of our love. I love the Lord. And I want to give to the Lord. Giving is uh, one of the, giving is one of the uh, proofs of love, if you will. Chirpy 77, having a hard time following along today. I would say start from the beginning and put it on like half speed or a quarter speed and then take notes and use a highlighter. I know you'll be able to get it. I believe in you, Chirpy, Chirpy 77. Just start from the beginning, turn it on really slow and listen, listen through all the way. And so I do believe we should give out of our love. I agree with him there. I totally agree with him. That's what a a free will offering is. That's what a free will offering is. But understand something. Let me read you Matthew chapter five. You know, by the way, we have church history to back this up. 
uh, how they followed the words of Jesus. Uh, Matthew 5.20. Let me read the whole context of what Dr. Dollar read from 17 all the way to 20. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees. Well, we know that it does because our righteousness is through Christ. Second Corinthians five, the Bible says, uh, God made him who knew no sin to be made sin. He was made to be sin. Why? So that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So we know that we have a, a covenant with Christ through his, the shedding of his blood, through his resurrection. And we now are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Uh, righteousness is a positional attribute. We have been set into the righteousness of God. We are righteous because Christ made us righteous. It's by grace through faith. But I can tell you one thing. It's like the early church believed, even after they became Christians. If you read the Didache, which I cite in my book on fasting, those were the extra biblical writings of the apostles that were not, uh, we would say inspired by God. They're not part of the Bible. They're not canon of scripture, but it is historical account of what the apostles wrote and did and believed. And if you study the Didache, one of the things you'll find out is they took this literally. The apostles, the early church took Jesus teaching here literally, unless your righteousness, your dedication exceeds that of the Pharisees. And so they said, well, you know what? The Pharisees fast two days a week. The early church fasted two days a week for hundreds of years. And the Didache shows us they did it on different days than the Pharisees did so that they would not be in sync with the hypocrites, they said. So they basically here, here was their thought process. We're not going to let the Pharisees do more under a worse and older covenant than we did. And then we are doing under a new and better covenant. And Hebrews tells us we have a better covenant established upon better promises. And so the early church did the same. They said, you know what? We refuse to do less for Christ under a new covenant than the Pharisees did under an old covenant. That's exactly, that was exactly their position. We're going to do more. It's being under, being under a, uh, a better covenant should not cause you to do less, should cause you to want to do more. Let me just give you a, a couple of things here. First of all, that God has always reserved something for himself, even before the law of Moses. It's a principle. God has always, it's a test of your heart. God always reserves something for himself that's not for you. And so you go back to Adam. God could have let Adam eat from every tree in the garden, but God in his infinite wisdom put a pl something in place that he reserved something for himself. So what did he do? Created a tree and said, you can eat of all of them, but don't eat of this one. Don't eat of this one. Why? God was reserving something for himself that was not for Adam since the very beginning. Think about this. God was going to destroy the entire earth in Noah's flood and did all the living things on the earth. Noah had to take all of the animals into the boat. But notice what happened as soon 
as Noah got off the ship. He had to repopulate the entire earth, except, except the first thing he did was build an altar and sacrifice some of those animals to God. When animals were in the shortest supply they'd ever been, he had to still, there was portions of what he had on the ship that were not for him and his family. They were reserved unto God. God always reserves something unto himself. It's a test of your heart. It's a test of your heart. Uh, Abraham, of course, paid tithes to Melchizedek. He tries to say that that's just a picture of God showing up, um, you know, the, the bread and wine, the body and blood of Jesus. It was just his response to God providing for him. Wonder where he got the tithe. Where did that come from? Is that just a random number? Or do you think it's got something that God was showing us in type and shadow? Even his grandson, Jacob, promised to tithe unto the Lord. Jesus affirmed it. Uh, The practice continued into Hebrews chapter 7. Speaking to Christians a full 30 years after the resurrection of Christ. So if this is really something that was abolished with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, why were Christians still engaged in it 30 years after his resurrection? 30 years. And Hebrews chapter seven tells us people were still doing it and Jesus was receiving it in heaven 30 years later after his resurrection. Hebrews is thought to be composed at the end of AD 63 or or AD 64, somewhere around there. They were still doing it. So let me read something to you. This, this might be very interesting to you, uh, you know, because people say, well, it's, it's not today. I don't know if you've ever heard. No, he was not saying to abolish giving. You're right. He didn't say that. He said we should still give out of our love for God. But tithing was still being done. You may have heard of this. Give me a close shot, if you will. You may have heard of this man. He's in heaven now. His name was Dr. R.C. Sproul. This was, uh, you know, a teacher, a theologian. Dr. R.C. Sproul, let me just say this. Uh, He was not Pentecostal. He was not charismatic. He was reformed. He was reformed. He would have been fiercely against the prosperity gospel, fiercely against it. He was a contemporary of John MacArthur, who we know is fiercely against Pentecostal charismatic uh, movement. He's fiercely against the prosperity gospel. They were contemporaries. Uh, Dr. Sproul died, uh, but this is his book that he entitled, Now That's a Good Question. It's a question and answer book that Dr. Sproul did about many different subjects in Christianity. Uh, I wanted to read something to you. I thought this was interesting because a man who was totally against, totally against the prosperity gospel, totally against uh, uh, the word of faith message, the charismatic message, the Pentecostal message, totally against it, is asked or presents his question in his own question and answer book about money matters. The section is called Money Matters. He's got questions about money in the kingdom of God. And um, first question doesn't have to do with tithing, but let me answer this because it's funny to hear him say this as someone that's against, um, against the prosperity gospel. Is God concerned with the material well-being of Christians? R.C. Spool answers. The short answer to that emphatically and definitely is yes. Not only is God concerned about the material well-being of Christians, he's deeply and profoundly concerned for the material well-being of the whole world. So even he agrees, God cares 
about your financial situation. God cares about it. God cares about it. Um, and if people, if people are jumping on right now, like Amy Io, that are asking questions like, isn't having a kingdom issue? Um, yes, I believe it is, but go back to the very beginning and watch the whole thing because I can't reiterate it all uh, in a moment. All right, so here's the question. Dr. Spruill has a question posed in this question and answer book. What do you believe the Bible teaches about tithing as it relates to Christians today? Keep in mind, reformed Calvinist, keep in mind, not a Pentecostal, not a charismatic, no prosperity gospel in this man. He hates it. He's against it. Let's hear his, this is not some dummy, by the way, if you know about Ligonier Ministries, and if you know about Dr. R.C. Sproul, he's not a dummy. He studied this whole life. He's a, he's a Bible scholar. So look at this now. There are many people, I'm going to read you his response because we need to hear it. There are many people who believe that tithing is no longer incumbent upon Christians because it's an Old Testament mandate that is not specifically repeated in the New Testament. Even though this was part of the law of the covenant of Israel in the Old Testament, I don't think that everything God demanded of his people in the Old Testament is abrogated if the New Testament is silent about it. Now, this is what I was saying about Dr. Dollar. Everything's not abrogated if it's not mentioned in the New Testament. Now, I agree also with Scott Daniels. I, I give far more than 20% to the kingdom every year. I understand the principle of giving out of your love for God, Scott. But just because we love God and we give out of our love for God, it doesn't mean that tithing has been abolished for the New Testament Christian. It just does not. It just does not. And, and I, I commend you, Scott, on your giving. You're doing far more than the average Christian is, according to statistics, uh, most Christians don't even hit the 10% mark and many that could easily do it, don't do it. So I commend you on your giving Scott, but I don't believe that tithing has been abolished. Listen to RC Sproul as he continues. I don't think that everything God demanded of his people in the old Testament is abrogated. If the new Testament is silent about it, I would say that if the tithe were abrogated, done away with, we would expect to have an explicit teaching in the New Testament that says tithing is no longer in effect. Tithing was a responsibility central to the old covenant economy and would be carried over, particularly when you understand that the new covenant community was established principally of Jews, who would obviously continue that practice unless they were told that it was no longer necessary. I would say that in the absence of any evidence of a repeal, tithing through the, uh, carries through into the New Testament. When Jesus was on the earth and the new covenant hadn't been established yet, he did bless the Pharisees for their tithe. He rebuked them for failing in weightier matters, but Jesus certainly congratulated them for at least being scrupulous in their tithing. They tithed their mint and cumin, which meant that they tithed down to the smallest of things. Most of the tithes in the Old Testament were done agriculturally or with livestock. It was an agrarian society, but these Pharisees were so scrupulous about giving their 10% to God that if they grew a little bit of parsley in the backyard, they tithed that. It would be as if you found a dime on the street and made sure that a penny of it went to God. Jesus said that these men were so scrupulous that they paid down to the last penny and he complimented them for that. When the New Testament refers to giving, it talks about giving out of our abundance and out of a spirit of gratitude. 
which we just agreed upon. Whenever the two covenants are compared, particularly in the book of Hebrews, we are told that the New Testament is a much richer covenant. The benefits we receive as Christians far exceed the benefits that the people of the old covenant enjoyed. But it also follows that the responsibilities of the Old Testament people, of the New Testament people, exceed the responsibilities of the Old Testament people. We're in a better situation. I would say that the tithe is not some high ultimate standard for the super Christian, but it's the rock bottom. And I agree with that. It's the starting point for a person who's in Christ and who understands something of the benefits he receives from God. And so here's Dr. R.C. Sproul, who doesn't believe in the prosperity gospel, doesn't believe in word of faith or charismatic Christianity or Pentecostalism, who says very clearly, unless the Jews who made up the church in the New Testament, unless they would have had some explicit teaching to repeal their tithing, they would have continued on unless someone told them to stop. Why would they stop something that they'd been doing for thousands of years if no one told them it was necessary to stop? We have zero teaching. We have zero teaching, but we do have a command to tithe. We still have a command to give free will offerings. Why does that continue on? You know why? You know why, in my opinion, the reason that that continues on and people have an issue with tithing is because the free will offering can be anything you want it to be. And Craig Cook, if you'll watch back through the video, I cover that in detail. You got to watch from the beginning because I cover all that in detail. It's false. What you're saying is false. It never stopped. It didn't get repealed in the New Testament. No one ever taught that the tithing came to an end. No one did. No one did. No one in the New Testament taught that tithing came to an end. Jesus didn't. The apostles didn't. Paul didn't. Nobody did. And the New Testament church continued on with it. And they continued on with it for 30 years. We have record of in the book of Hebrews, 30 years after the resurrection of Christ, they were still tithing. And and the writer of Hebrews says, and Jesus was receiving their tithes in heaven. Nobody stopped it. Nobody taught against it. It continues on. An argument from silence is not an argument. And if God's already commanded something and set it in place, we don't stop it because nobody continued on teaching. it. Exactly, Caleb. The Ten Commandments are not just for Israel. So there are certain things that, yes, Jesus did fulfill and stop them from happening in the uh, uh, New Testament. And yes, Isaiah, I actually heard what Pastor Dollar taught and I have, I posted the link to the video in the comments. I watched the full video. I'm not teaching this out of context. I'm not teaching this, uh, not knowing what he said. I watched every single word that he preached and I disagree heartily with it. And the main issue, once again, that Dr. Dollar has is that he has fallen into the gospel of grace. He's fallen into hyper grace and it's a doctrine of devils. And and I'm sad about it. I love Dr. Dollar. I want to see, I want to see him come back to the right path. But I'm telling you, it's like, it's like Joseph Prince. There was somebody that went over to talk with him about his doctrine uh, from brother Hagin's ministry and he would not receive it. He said, he's so close to understanding he won't receive it. And I'm just telling you, it's a doctrine of devils. It's a doctrine of devils. And, and I love Dr. Dollar. I'm, this is not me doing this to try to smash him or try to harass him. I love Dr. Dollar. I've listened to him for years. But since he's gotten into the hyper grace message, it has been a downward spiral. It's been downhill. And I know he said he's been excommunicated a number of times and, and all of these different things. And I, I know all that. 
uh, and people don't agree with him. But let me tell you, I don't have Isaiah 58 and you should sit with him. I don't have an entrance into his life uh, to sit with him. Others do. Others have spoken with him. He, he's a contemporary and uh, what you might consider a spiritual son to Kenneth Copeland. And Brother Copeland, I believe, has spoken to him and others that are in that group of, of preachers. But I agree with Tricia. The hyper grace message is a toxic message. I don't know about you that are watching and you may disagree with that, but I can tell you one thing. I will not be stopping my tithe. <laughs> I can tell you that I will not be discontinuing my tithe. I will tithe so faithfully, but the tithe as, as, as Dr. Spruill said, it's rock bottom. That's the bare minimum of what I do. Scroll up. I want to see what, uh, you want to talk about someone that has got a, that's true doctor, Dr. Austin Lingerfeld. He's a true doctor. Ministers are imitating uh, JP, because, Joseph Prince, because they perceive it as successful and they want church growth. Grace, hypergrace is the latest fad and ministers in the U.S. are embracing it for the sake of growth, numbers, and you guessed it, money and success. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and, and it lines right up, Austin, uh, with what Paul prophesied would take place in the last days. It's an entrance into the love of many growing cold. It's an entrance into people falling away from the faith. You'll never see me pause my tithing or teach against it. I will tithe and have always tithed. I will continue to tithe. Let me tell you, God owns 100% of what I have. He does. He owns 100% of what I have. He doesn't own 10%. He owns 100%. Everything I have belongs to God. Anyone that understands covenant understands that. God owns everything I have. A tenth for for me to give him a tenth to return that to him as a test of my heart is nothing to me. I love to do it. I'm happy to do it. And I give far, far more than that. It would make, it would make unbelievers pee their pants if they saw how much money I give away to the Lord. And let me tell you, I, I love to give and I love God. Amen. And and as Ben Fole said, tithing is the least I can do. Why would I only do the minimum to get by? I would not do that to the Lord. They did that under a worse covenant with offerings and with alms and everything else. Why would I be under a better covenant after what Jesus has done for me and after bringing me out of the darkness into his marvelous light, after bringing me into the body of Christ? Why would I receive all of that wonderful, all those wonderful blessings? As Paul taught the Ephesians, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Why would I be blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and do less for God now? than they did in the Old Testament. I would never do that. I love the Lord. And, and I don't care how many people get into this hyper grace message and teach that tithing's not for today. They can teach it if they want to, but it's not a scriptural teaching. It's an unscriptural, unbiblical teaching that tithing is not for today. And so I'm just telling you, I love Dr. Dollar. I love all those that are in the body of Christ. I want to see them do what is right and preach what is right. But I stand firmly against this message, firmly against it. And again, if you're watching me and you don't know me, you might be listening to me and you don't know me. It's not because I have some agenda. I don't have a church. No one tithes to me. I don't receive any tithes. People tithe to their churches. I'm not a church. I don't tithe or I don't receive tithes. I give tithes to my church personally and our ministry tithes and gives far more than the tithe, far more. Do you know, 
and I'm not saying this as a, a, some sort of a, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm saying how much God's blessed us through being obedient that literally our accountant thought that there was a mistake in the numbers when she saw the increase that God had blessed us with uh, over the last two years. She thought that it was some sort of a mistake. No, it's God blessing us for being obedient to his word. And so I'm just going to tell you something. I love Dr. Dollar. I want to see him do well, but let me tell you, I stand firmly against what he's teaching. I stand firmly against it. It's not scriptural uh, to believe what he believes as much as he used verses out of context and everything else that he wanted to do. It's dangerous. And just remember this, it is dangerous to try to build doctrines from arguments, from silence. You can't do that. Again, as I said, we would have to stop believing in the virgin birth of Jesus. It's not taught in the New Testament. It's not taught. And so I love you. I want to see you blessed. I want to see you absolutely blessed. And again, we do what the Bible teaches. So let me ask you a question. Paul said, you shouldn't give in response to pressure or manipulation. I agree with that. And it's true. We should not. And one of, one of the reasons Dr. Dollar was teaching what he did, he said, tithing brings manipulation and pressure on God's people. And we shouldn't do that. No, no. It's, and I know that there are some preachers that manipulate people, but if God tells us to do something in his word, is that manipulation? Is that pressure? Or is that just conviction because we should be obeying what the word of God tells us to do? So I, you know, the reason that I, you know, I'm going to start, I'm going to start stealing because, you know, uh, you know, I feel these preachers have been preaching for so long that I feel this manipulation that I should stop stealing manipulation and pressure that no, we don't steal because God's word tells us not to steal. Same with tithing. I tithe because the word of God tells us to do it. It never was repealed. It never was taught against. It never came to an end. Jesus didn't end it. And so why would I stop it? And if I feel, if I hear teaching on it, if I hear teaching on it, then that's conviction. That's not manipulation and pressure. <laughs> and so I, I'm not going to stop. Money tithing did not begin in the 1800s by the Catholic church. I just read you Deuteronomy 14, uh, where God told them even under the law that if the place is too far, to, too far away from you, where you are, you can turn your harvests into finances and bring the finances. So no. Tithing did not begin in the 1800s through the Catholic church for financial tithing. Deuteronomy 14, go and read it for yourself. And so I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to stop my tithing. I'm sure you won't because anybody that may be watching is probably already a tither. And I commend you, do all you can for the Lord. Do all you can for the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, this is the, the real dangerous thing right here. The hyper grace message. People leaving church, people stopping their dedication, people uh, not doing what the Bible commands and saying, well, I'm under grace. I can do whatever I want. I don't even need to repent if I'm sinning. That, let me tell you, doctrines of devils. And this is what's gotten into people. And this is what's gotten in, into a lot of the churches in America. And listen, you may not agree with me. That's fine with me. I mean, I don't care. Again, I have no agenda. I'm not asking you to tithe to me. I'm not, I'm not your pastor. This is not your church. So I don't care if you agree or disagree. I'm just telling you what the Bible says and what I'm going to do. And so I'm not, I'm I'm not going to stop doing something that the Bible commands. I want to pray for you today because here's what I want to pray for those that are watching. Um, I want to pray that as we come to the end of time and Jesus is coming soon, Jesus is coming soon and we need people. We need people that 
are serious about the kingdom of God, are serious about souls, are serious about doing the work that the Lord has called us to do. We don't need people that are taking their foot off the gas. We don't need people that are, are, are backing down from their Christian dedication and responsibility. We need people to go after what they're called to do. As Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter nine and verse four, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is yet day for the night comes where no man can work. The night comes where no man can work. Jesus is coming soon. And so I want you to, uh, catch a new fire, a new urgency, a new boldness to live for the Lord and do what you're called to do. And I know you'll do greater things than you've ever done by the help of the Holy Spirit. And God will bless you immensely. But let me pray for you. Father, Father, we thank you for your wonderful word. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for empowering us. We thank you for blessing us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. I pray, Lord, today that a new fire would come upon your people, a new urgency to accomplish your purpose on the earth. I pray in Jesus' name that you'd give us a new boldness to live for you. Let us press in like we never have in Jesus' mighty name. Let us press in like we never have. Let us do things we've never done in dedication to the kingdom of God. Lord, don't let us do less. Empower us to do more. We thank you that your hand of blessing is upon the faithful. And so, Lord, I ask you, let this last half of the year be far more blessed than the first half of the year. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you. We thank you. Souls are coming in from every direction. Let us quickly and efficiently carry out our purpose in the wonderful name of Jesus. We give you honor. We give you praise. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Listen, I love every single one of you. Those that are watching for the first time, maybe you've never been on the broadcast, we're live Monday through Friday at 10.30 a.m. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for hanging with us today. I love you very much. For those of you that just believe only in free will offerings uh, and not the tithe, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give a free will offering if you'd like to. Uh, You can go to miracleword.com. You can sow a seed today and do what the Lord has told you to do that is above and beyond the tithe, because I know that's where, where you're at, those of you that are watching. It's only about free will offerings. So for those of you that that don't agree with the tithe, but you definitely believe in an offering, then go ahead and sow one. We love you very much. For those that are sowing this month, we want to bless you, standing with us as we go to uh, touch the world. We're seeing souls saved everywhere. Miracles are happening everywhere. It's been amazing. Uh, In the month of July, those that are standing with us in partnership, we're going to send you uh, Brother Hagin's book, How You Can Be Led by the Holy Spirit of God, a powerful book that shows you how to live led by the spirit, led by the spirit. For those of you that are uh, standing uh, at $250 or more as we preach the gospel, we're going to include E.W. Kenyon's book as well, uh, The Blood Covenant. And there are people that are sowing largely $1,000 or more. For those of you that are doing that and feel to do it, we want to include with this one of my favorite study tools, the Net Study Bible with 60,000 translators notes. And uh, you can do that at miracleword.com. And then if you'd like to receive any of those as you've sown a seed, just go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. Let us know where we can send it to you. And we absolutely will. And we want to say thank you to everybody that's partnering with us. Souls are coming in, man. This has been the greatest year we've ever seen for evangelism. We're seeing not only souls saved, miracles taking place. It's it's amazing to see people's hunger uh, before Jesus comes back. Don't believe the lie that people aren't hungry for God. They are hungry 
They're hungry. When people hear the gospel, when people see the power of the Holy Ghost, they are hungry, man. And I'm so excited uh, to see people getting saved. Uh, a couple of things that I want to share with you. We have a free quarterly magazine we send out and we'd like to send it to you absolutely free. It's called Miracle Word Quarterly. And the new edition is getting ready to ship for the summer. And we want to send one to your house. Won't cost you a dime. It's absolutely free. And uh, this new one is, I believe, one of the most beautiful ones we've ever done. This is where the stream deck comes in handy. And we, uh, <laughs> we want to send it to you. And if you're overseas, then we want to send you a digital copy uh, of the magazine. So if you're in the United States of America, we will mail you a copy of the magazine. But if you're in another country, we'll send you by email a digital copy uh, of the magazine. And those are getting ready to go out. So if you'd like to sign up to receive it for free, just go to miracleword.com and you'll see the uh, picture of the magazine right on the homepage. You can click on it and you can go and sign up or if you'd like to go right to it, miracleword.com forward slash live, and you can sign up to get it. Also, got some great new things for your kids for the summertime, new kids t-shirts uh, that are available. And we have two new ones that we want to uh, offer you. One of them is the palm tree t-shirts, like kind of a yellow, light cream, off-white. The other one's the spray paint t-shirt. We're believing your kids are going to be strong, smart, and set apart. And uh, those are both available at the store, shop.miracleword.com. But we've also put together a, 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 a summer box for the kids. It's got a whole bunch of stuff in it. Tote bag, beach ball, uh, water bottle, candy, stickers. And one of the t-shirts, uh, you can get that also at shop.miracleword.com. You get to choose one of the shirts to go in the box for your children. And then we have brand new Yeti tumblers for your kids as well for the summer. All that can be found at... Uh, shop.miracleword.com. And, uh, we wanted to make sure that you knew about it. Also, finally, last thing, um, I wanted to invite you to be a part of the text family. If you're not a part of it, you'd like to receive texts, uh, send in your prayer requests and, um, send it up miracleword.com forward slash text. I would love to stay in touch with you. I would love to hear your prayer requests. We are praying for you on a weekly basis and hundreds of people are texting me their prayer requests. I'm, I'm actually, I just on the way to the studio this morning, praying with somebody that's connected with us for a brand new job, a uh, better job, better uh, pay, better benefits. That's what we're believing for. So I want to, I want to hear, uh, from you guys as well. And uh, if you'd like to be connected, it's not a bot, it's not our office, it's me texting you and uh, staying in touch with you. So go to miracleword.com forward slash text and uh, let's stay connected together. Don't forget, Carolyn's live today, two o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Uh, she's gonna be live, it's Friday favorites. So there's giveaways, there's things she's doing. I think last week, uh, Ava won the, the edible arrangements. And so uh, there's gonna be giveaways today, stuff that she's doing. Don't miss it. Two o'clock PM Eastern time. We're on the East coast. So Eastern time, it's going to be a great day. I love you guys so much. Have a powerful weekend and I'll be back with you again, Monday morning, 1030 AM. Talk to you later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.